Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. He's back in the bullpen, PhD in economics, lectures a visiting fellow at Harvard and senior fellow American Enterprise Institute. We have Mr. Stan Voiger back on the show. Professor, doctor, how are you? Dr. Ritchie, thank you for having me on again. Thank you for being here. We're gonna chop it up about the Trump administration taxation plan and maybe some other nuances of taxation in America. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about economic taxation. So I will give you the opportunity to share your sentiment. Sure, so I think the Trump administration, while overall fairly disastrous, you know, from the Muslim ban in week one to the coup attempt just before he left office. I think one area where policy was pretty good was in tax policy. We saw a reduction in the corporate tax rate. We saw tax cuts that you know that made our fiscal stance much looser, led to relatively fast growth, unemployment growth, a very strong labor market going into the COVID pandemic. I think those were generally good things. Uh, in fact, what we see now is that Democrats are are rewriting the tax code to some extent, but they're really preserving the core elements of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Right? They're not touching the corporate tax rate uh, first and foremost, and I think that really shows you uh, that there's a general perception that those changes were were good and beneficial. So let's be clear about the policy. I want to challenge you on something. Uh, under Donald Trump. The rate of jobs or the job growth in America actually slowed down. It was faster and quicker under President Barack Obama. You are aware of that, correct? Well, it's a very different starting point if you start right after the great the global financial crisis. Or if you start in a situation where honestly, I think a lot of people, including Democrats, thought that basically we were at full employment. And the only thing that cutting taxes was going to do uh, was hand hand money over to people who didn't need it, right? When when the Hillary campaign in 2016 was laughing at the idea that there were millions of people who would want to be employed who were not employed, and so I do think that's important to keep in mind. All right, uh, so I'm correct. All right, second, the tax plan. What Trump said was this would skyrocket, right? The economy. He said it'll put it on boosters. And he made all of these promises about what the corporate tax rate being cut would actually do through what we know as trickle down economics. But here's the reality of it. More than 60% of the tax savings only went to the top 20% of earners in the United States of America. It did not meet the middle class where Trump said it would meet. What are your thoughts about that and why is it that we continue to support policies like this on the left and the right? by duping middle class voters and saying this is going to help you. And they're not touching middle class voters on the left or the right as it relates to these massive tax policies. Well, I think first of all, I agree with you that many of the promises that Trump and his administration made were hyperbolic, if not just false. I do think it's unfair to say that there were there was no positive impact, right? We saw, Really, we hit on a level of unemployment that we hadn't seen in decades. We saw relatively fast wage growth, especially in among lower income parts of the income distribution. Of course, a lot of the incidents of the federal income tax and of the corporate income tax 
is on relatively high income individuals and households. You know, that's almost inevitable because those are the households that pay the lion's share of the federal income tax. And so any tax cut is going to have that incidence. But that's only the direct effect, right? You have, as you call them, trickle down effects. You can, I wouldn't use that terminology necessarily, but you have other effects beyond simply the tax bills that people face, right? You see a pickup in hiring, pickup in investment. Of course, a lot of that, you know, came to an end with the COVID crisis. But those were really the goals, I think, of that of those tax policy changes. If you if you think of them in a reasonable, non-hyperbolic way, which I agree with you completely, is different from the way the Trump administration talked about. Let's talk about some real numbers. We cite unemployment rates. A lot of times people will say, well, well, you know, the unemployment rate in the African American community was at its lowest in modern history. But when you and you understand the U3 rating system as opposed to a U6 system where you actually look at some contextualization of the numbers. Well, black unemployment and underemployment was still well over 20% under the Trump administration while they touted the U3 rating system, the U6 rating system is what actually moves the needle as far as families and earning ability and paying the bills. Let me bring you to another reality of the Trump administration and their economic policies. Under the Trump administration, black workers started to make less on the dollar again, moving in the wrong direction. Now remember, black workers were making, depending on the average regionally, roughly 75 to 85 cent of their white counterparts, okay? Under Barack Obama, the former president before Trump, that number was moving in the right direction where blacks were starting to make economic gains on the dollar per average. Under Donald Trump, the number started to decline again for black males in particular at a faster rate, but it also declined for black females in the marketplace. And that was directly associated to the memorandum of the DOJ under the Trump administration that said they would no longer prosecute these discriminatory actions inside of corporations. President Obama had a hardcore policy to actually prosecute civilly these entities that violated diversity orders. But the Trump administration said we're not going to do it, made it open and public that they weren't going to do it. And what did it equate to in the market? It equated to black people making less on the dollar again than white people. That's a real market impact. Secondly, Household median income for black families dropped, decreased under the Trump administration. You know the numbers, Doc. It decreased while technically black people had more contact with employment. Now, you mean to tell me that black folks literally are working more jobs, having more technical employment, but still making less under that system than the system before? So when you look at the, the facts, these are conclusive results of the Trump administration. I'm not projecting anything. This is not a trajectory. This is what happened. Where did they get it wrong when they made all of these promises about black economy, about black home ownership, about increasing household median incomes? It didn't happen for us, brother. But they made all of those promises. And that's why I think Trump loses on the economic argument in addition to the social argument. Where am I wrong? Well, so let me say two things. First, on the on the different measures of, of unemployment. I agree with you that if you take a broader concept of unemployment than the, the, the number that people typically report, the U3, you get a higher rate of unemployment. But of course, that is exactly why the the looser fiscal policy and the tax cuts 
in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, why they had an effect, right? And that runs a bit against the grain of what the Federal Reserve was doing at the time, what the Obama administration to some extent was doing at the time too, which was raising interest rates and focusing on balancing the budget in an understanding that we were very close to full employment, right? What you're saying and what I think the the Trump administration to some, to some extent was counting on was that we were not actually that close to full employment. And so you you needed to, you did, the, the economy could actually use some of that fiscal stimulus. On the second point, I don't know that in a situation where a lot of people are entering the labor force, you wanna look at changes in the sense of the dollar that different demographic groups make, right? The, what you, because on some level, what you're saying is we do not want people who are going to make relatively low wages to find work because that will drag down the average hourly wages of the groups they're a part of. I don't think that that logic works very well, right? You can well, say, come on, look, Professor, you know what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you equate for similar experience and education that black people still make less on the dollar per average. That's always been a reality in the dysfunction of our equity systems in America. But beyond that, the Donald Trump administration made it worse. It actually was going in the right direction under Obama because they were willing to prosecute these crimes. And it went in the wrong direction under Donald Trump because his Department of Justice said they're not going to prosecute these corporate crimes. That's a real cause and effect relationship. You can't just brush that off as new people entering the workforce because the study that was done, it absolutely compensated for the variable of similar education and experience. I, so I'm not sure which specific study you, you're referring to here, but I, I think this that assigns way too much credit to whatever the Trump administration's Department of Labor. So did. what do you I think it was attributed to? I think the the cents on the dollar figure is just driven by compositional effects by the well, if by new people driven, entering the by new no, people sir. finding employment who uh, are Good. relatively low earners compared to the people who were already employed. You uh, hold a PhD in economics. The compensational effect if this was simply a routine marketplace adjustment, that means that all demographics would experience a shift or a marketplace. Um, ebb and flow that did not happen for white Americans. It only happened to black Americans in the study. But that's so not really that's not really true, right? Because the the part of what's so frustrating about the US labor market is that there are many more uh, workers of color who remain unemployed until much later in the business cycle, right? So what you get- Why is that? Why do you think that? Four, three and a half percent unemployment. Basically all white workers who wanna work are employed, but there are still quite a few Black and Latino workers who are not employed. Yeah, now, but once again, back back to the numbers, and, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just don't want us to get off topic with this. We're talking about individuals who actually are working. We're not talking about people who are looking for work. We're talking about a study that was done based on people who actually work and report the numbers. And by the way, no, you, saying, you, don't, you don't know where I got my numbers from. I got I got my numbers from the Department of Labor. It's the US Department of Labor. You can look up those numbers anytime. The issue is actual employment. Now folks entering to the workplace, we already know what those numbers are. You're gonna get paid damn near 20 to 30 cent less just entering the workspace than a white counterpart who has the same education and background as you do. We already know that number. I'm not talking about that number. I'm talking about not only the number, but the fact that the numbers started going in the wrong direction under Donald Trump. You don't think that's associated to policy? 
So to be clear, I, I don't doubt your number at all. What I'm, what I'm not sure about is the link between actions by DOJ or by the Department of Labor and those numbers. I think your, your numbers are, are, are probably correct. Um, and yeah, what I'm saying is that I don't, I think that dramatically overstates the impact uh, that the ebb and flow in those investigations has had. Uh, I, I just, you know, it's a, we're talking about, you know, 180 million people here are working in the in the in the in the U.S. economy. I, I really why. don't think you you would see a change in policy at DOJ have that kind of impact. Let me tell you, measurable why impact on relative hourly wages uh, within a why, year why. of the policy change. I'm going to tell you why. Number one, policy can be enacted like that. It's not a social issue. It's a policy issue which becomes administrative law. So it has the benefit of immediate. Implementation number one. Number two, what entity is the largest employer in America? Well, the US federal government, I The federal government, you're damn right. It's the largest employer of black people in the United States of America. Once you have a policy that increases the earning wage to make sure it matches a diversity core so that there's equity and pay based on experience and education, you now have made the number one employer of black people in the United States of America come up to par with the diversity and equitable chart that they proclaim they support, that's one. Also these policies impact Fortune 400 and 500 companies immediately. And you already know this based on policy. Policies are not written primarily to punish bad doers, is written so that bad doers know if you do bad, there will be a punishment. So while many of these companies did not get prosecuted by the Obama administration, they knew on the other side of certain activity, they could get prosecuted. And in the under the Trump administration, by him rolling back those initiatives, it caused a direct cause and effect relationship of employers not willing to live up to the diversity standard that they had to live up to under the Obama administration. If you can find another reason why black people started all of a sudden to make less and less on the dollar under the Trump administration, share it. Give me the variable, I would check it out. But if you can't find it, don't dismiss what I put to your doorstep. I think I don't. Look, I think there's there's a number of reasonable alternative explanations. One is the one we talked about, which is new people entering the labor force not being comparable to the people already employed. Wouldn't the other one is of the course- the numbers for white demographics as well? Well, once you get the 5% unemployment, the white workers are generally employed, right? It's, it, it's precisely because the unemployment rate among uh, uh, excellent Latinos has historically been so much higher that you can have that kind of competitional effect. Secondly, there of course are different trends uh, in wage development over a decade-long period across different levels of education, different level of ex- uh, different levels of experience, and unfortunately, different uh, racial group in the U.S. do not have the benefit of the same levels of education and experience. And so, well, do you think all sometimes racism? Things- Plays into it. Oh, of course. Brought, okay, so yeah, racism also like a, plays a factor. Yeah, but I think historical and and sort of ongoing uh, racism in society as a whole is much more important there than specific policy decisions made by DOJ or Department of Labor during the Trump administration. Yeah, I, I, I think those are just not. Those are not. I don't. I just don't think those are of a scale that you can even compare. Yeah, I, I disagree with you wholeheartedly. I think policy has a massive impact on home ownership. Uh, on economic equity and everything else. Uh, let me read to, read to you a couple of uh, metrics, okay? So under Democrats 
and this is a um, 28 year model. Uh, economists Alan S. Blinder and Mark W. Watson, I'm sure you know these guys. Uh, real GDP growth, real GDP growth is defined as connected to the administration, okay? Real GDP growth under Democratic policies uh, increased by 4.3%, under Republicans only increased by 2.5%. When you look at inflation rate, uh, Republicans oversee massive inflation, 3.4% uh, compared to um, Democrats under 3%. And stock market annual return, Democratic policies lead to a better stock market. It's really interesting to me how Republicans seem to be the brand champions for the economy. But when you look at actual policies, left-leaning policies have contributed to an 8.4% stock market annual return. And right-leaning policies have only contributed to a 2.7%. Since 1947, the S&P 500 posted a total annual return of 10.8% under Democratic policies versus only 5.6% under Republican policies. But time and time again, conservatives consider themselves to be champions of the economic ecosystem. When the truth is, not only do everyday people do better under that more left-leaning policy core, but also individuals who are investors and who own property, who make more than the average individual. They tend to do better under the structure of a left-leaning policy system. Where am I wrong here, Professor? Well, I think you're wrong in, again, in assigning causality. I Obviously, the historical record is uh, certainly over the last 30 years, it's pretty clear that uh, under Democratic presidents, the economy has done better than under Republican presidents. I don't dispute that at all. Right? If you look at the Trump administration, it ends with the COVID crisis. If you look at the even when you take uh, sec- out that one year look of data, the, but the Bush forty three administration, the one year of data, take that out. Let's no, no. Let's but I'm saying, I'm saying it's, not, it's not just that, right? The Bush forty three administration. You have the global financial crisis. You have the dot, dot com bubble bursting during George H W Bush. You have a term that ends in a recession. And so I don't, I think your aggregate numbers are, are correct. If I remember the, uh, the blinder paper, that's, that's what they say too. Um, but I think it's, I, I, don't, I wouldn't be so comfortable making the, the direct link that you're trying to make between specific policy changes and those, break, those big macro trends, right? The, the global financial crisis, uh, you know, What's related to pretty long-standing, I think, developments in the housing market, in financial, uh, in regulation of the financial crisis. I don't think you can ascribe that necessarily to the to the Bush administration. Okay. I think COVID, right. COVID is a good example too. I think the recession during H.W. Bush, a lot of it is timing. The same things are happening internationally at the same time. I, I don't think you can ascribe that you can you can uh, posit that relationship uh, as well. And yeah, of but course, you can't disprove it, can you? Well, do we only have what? How many presidents have there been since World War II? We don't have that many <laughs> observations. It's difficult. It, it, well, well, and listen, look, you have enough for a study. Come on now. And, and you, there, there, there are research saying, studies that have been done with less of a focus group, so you got enough for a study and, here. And to be clear, I'm not saying that Republican economic policies are necessarily better than Democratic ones, right? For example, I think on immigration policy, Republicans right. have been disastrous relative to Democrats over the past uh, couple of decades. All right, and let so me, you know, you get different things. Going on, it's a big country, yeah. It, right, it is a big country. Let me ask you about this policy really quickly before we go. The Trump administration said there will be a massive tax cut for the middle class. The average American will pay less in taxes, but here's what he really did. It was a tax shift, okay? So the 
average American collectively paid $93 billion more in individual taxes under Trump. Corporations paid $91 billion less aggregate under Donald Trump. The deductions that created increases in your return were offset by the, elim the elimination of other reductions and deductions that you could take from your taxes. So do you see it differently than I see it? That the numbers suggest more of a tax shift than an actual tax cut under the Trump administration. Well, you know, ultimately the money, the the tax payments that are not made by corporations also end up with people, right? And so I, I don't think uh, we 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 should treat them as entirely separate entities that somehow suck up uh, um, money or resources. Am I right um, or wrong, Professor? Well, I mean, it's certainly a shift, right? We we would dramatically reduce the corporate tax rate, and so so by by definition, a larger share of revenue yeah, and dramatically was going to come from much. individual and payroll taxes. Yeah, That's and dramatically for sure true. I got you. And dramatically yeah. increased how much an individual taxpayer actually paid out when they were promised by Donald Trump and his cronies that they would have more money in the well, bank. Well, but a lot of that, that is the economy grows, there's some inflation. Uh, right? That's why those okay, numbers they made promises, they lied to people. Obviously, relative to the kind of factual individual taxes went down. In fact, something that a lot of people on the left did not like was that individual taxes were going down. But uh, they paid especially more, for the highest they income. had less in the bank and a lower household median income. Yeah, but the economy is growing. Professor, I'm gonna have you back, man. We have another show right after mine. But thank you for being on the show. Always fun to chop it up with the guy who has a PhD in economics. Thank you, sir. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.